pop goes, the pop goes, the team's now on the bubble. I see the empty brackets need a refill. I got a bracket with a list of complainers. I should have started PAPE, podcast against phony entertainers, so we can make it known that we won't get swayed. It's 2018, son. So something's gotta change. Trying to sneak in with a schedule that flop, flop, flops. Pop goes the bubble as teams dr- dr- drop. Take your non-conference SOS that bit. Dominate your conference call it quits. Not enough quadrant ones, you aren't artistic. No early challenges becoming so simplistic. A strong record doesn't have to be spoon-fed. The selection committee can't read what can't be read. So some stay literate and feeble. March Madness let you go the ways of the bubble. Pop-pop goes the bubble, the bubble. Pop-pop goes the bubble, the bubble. Pop-pop goes the bubble, the bubble. Pop goes the bubble because the bubble goes pop. Pop-pop goes the bubble, the bubble. Pop-pop goes the bubble, the bubble. Pop-pop goes the bubble, the bubble. Pop goes the bubble because the bubble goes pop. Hip-hop got turned into hip-hop. The second record was number one on the pop chart. But don't get on the heart, the guy to start in the ghetto. Let no one forget about the heart. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Oh, it's a little third base. Kicking it old school here on the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Pop Goes the Weasel, except our version is Pop Goes the Bubble. We're going to talk tonight about those bubble teams that are on the fence on getting in the NCAA tournament. Mike Randall here with you tonight. You can follow me on Twitter, at Randall Rant. Gus was supposed to be with me tonight. He has no power. That's right. Gus Kearns, no power tonight. Bundling up the kitties, trying to stay warm. Prayers and thoughts go out to him and everybody here in New Jersey has been hit by this snowstorm. Hopefully Gus will have power back tomorrow and he will join us. So tonight, praying for Gus and talking about the bubble. So many teams right now on this bubble as we're midweek. You're hearing this. It's Thursday. That means we are just four days away from Selection Sunday in the 2018 NCAA tournament. And there are so many teams right now that are sitting squarely on that bubble. So is the bubble going to get popped or are they going to make it through? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to start tonight in the ACC. A lot of teams to talk about here in the ACC. And there's three that jump off the page to me right away. The first one is Syracuse. Syracuse loses tonight to North Carolina, 78-59, non-competitive. They were blown out. Coming off their win over Wake Forest, holding serve in the game before, and that followed a season-ending win at home against Clemson. Look at their resume very carefully. They're 20-13 and 13 overall. They were 8-10 and 10 below 500 in the ACC. Now, normally I would tell you they would not make it in. I do not like teams in large conferences under 500, making it in the NCAA tournament this year. But the bubble this year, your mid-major teams are not as strong as they usually are. They're not a lot of Monmouth teams. And Monmouth is where this all started. All these Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2 wins and losses and RPI really started with Monmouth because they were the team that went out and played people in the non-conference. Then they came back to their own conference and dominated going 18-2 and two in conference, losing in the championship game of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference and not making the NCAA tournament back-to-back. That's really one of the teams that spurred this system to change. But you look at it now, this is what we have, and we're going to apply it to a team like Syracuse, 20-13 and 13 overall, 8-10 and 10 in conference. Look at their quadrant wins, 3-8 and eight against quadrant 1, 3-3 three and three against quadrant 2, Nine and two against quadrant three and a perfect five and zero against the quadrant four teams that they should beat. I want to caution you with Syracuse though. Syracuse is a team that the NCA wants to see in the tournament. 
Their non-conference RPI is 14th. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 18th. Those are two very, very strong numbers. And the teams that they're compared against don't really have a plethora of Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2 wins. I will point out another team in the ACC that right now is in a similar boat to them. That's the Louisville Cardinals. Rick Pitino, fired, beginning of the year, all the chaos. David Padgett really has done the best job that he possibly can and has the Cardinals at 9-9 nine and nine in conference. They are 3-10 against Quadrant 1 and 2-2 two and two against Quadrant 2. 8-0 against Quadrant 3, 7-0 against Quadrant 4. So if you compare them to Syracuse, Syracuse is 6-11 against Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2 teams. Louisville is 5-12 against Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2 teams. Now let's look at the RPI and strength of schedule from the non-conference. RPI non-conference for Louisville, 43rd. Non-conference strength of schedule, 83rd. Those numbers are significantly worse than Syracuse. So even though Louisville finished ahead of Syracuse, you look at those two teams, folks, my gut is telling me that Syracuse is going to get in over Louisville. Now let's look at one other team from the ACC, Notre Dame. Now, of course, Notre Dame is a fascinating study because they played the majority of the year without quite possibly a first-team All-American in Bonzi Colson. Right now, they sit at 19-13. and 13. They are 8-10 and 10 in the ACC. And despite being down at halftime 34-21 of Virginia Tech, they stormed back to beat the Hokies 71-65. That is two wins there in the ACC tournament for Notre Dame. Two huge wins. Notre Dame, 19-13 overall, 8-10 in the ACC. Here come their quadrant wins. 2-8 against RPI quadrant one teams. 5-2 Five and two against quadrant two teams, six and three with some bad losses against quadrant three, and six and zero oh against quadrant four. Look at their numbers. Their non-conference RPI seventy second. Their non-conference strength of schedule hundred and sixty first. Now here's the part about Notre Dame you have to remember: they lost Bonzi Colson from January third against NC State and he returned against Pittsburgh on February 28th. Let's remember a couple things. They lost to Indiana in overtime with Bonzi Colson. He had 29 and 11. They lost to Ball State at home on December 5th with Bonzi Colson. He had 26 and 6. They lost a tough game to Michigan State with Bonzi Colson. They were blown out. He had 17 and 6. Folks, those are some bad losses there with Bonzi Colson. They lost to UVA, no shame in that, 62-57 on the, in the road. But it is difficult for me to see a team like Notre Dame who has that loss to Ball State and has that loss to Indiana. They lost that game to Ball State on their home floor and they lost the game to Indiana in the Crossroads Classic in Indiana in Indianapolis. That is difficult for me to see them going in. They have one more game here, and it's very, very important for Notre Dame. The Irish will play tomorrow night in the quarterfinals against Duke. And that, in my opinion, will be a play-in game for Notre Dame. If they win that game, they will be in. If they don't win that game, I think they will be out. Remember, look at those non-conference numbers. Non-conference RPI, 72nd. Non-conference strength of schedule, 161st. 
you compare that to Syracuse, non-conference RPI 14th, non-conference strength of schedule 18th, and the only thing that separates them in conference, they are tied. So they are right next to each other in conference. They played head-to-head once at Syracuse, and Notre Dame won that game 51-49 without Bonzi Colson. But if you're asking me, I see Louisville as out, I see Syracuse as in, and I see Notre Dame, because of those bad losses, not making it unless they beat Duke. The next team we're going to visit on the bubble, pop goes the bubble, are the St. Mary's Gales from the West Coast Conference. Now, you know the history here on the Screen the Screener podcast with St. Mary's. Last year, I touted them to the Final Four. I loved everything about them. Talked about how Jock Landell was going to burst on the scene and potentially be an All-American. What'd they do? They disappoint the heck out of me. Couldn't beat Gonzaga. Was non-competitive in all three games. Got into the NCAA tournament. Won their first round game, gave a nice little run to Arizona, but then they faded out. Now this year, I jump on the Gonzaga bandwagon. I say Gonzaga's going to smoke them at home in that first game. And St. Mary's pulls the upset at Gonzaga, beating them 78-65 in the kennel. And then what have they done from there? Ah, not much. St. Mary's issue, we've talked about it all year, is their strength of schedule is not good, and it's particularly not good out of conference. They have only played three games against Quadrant 1 teams. They had the big win over Gonzaga, they had a win over BYU on December 30th on the road, and then they lost to Gonzaga at home. Those are the only games that they've played against Quadrant 1 teams. Their Quadrant 2 teams Even more bizarre, played BYU at home and won, played BYU in the tournament and lost, lost to Georgia in the Wooden Legacy and have a win over New Mexico State at home in the beginning of the year. That's it for St. Mary's. And that's really the issue. The argument is if you're going to use these quadrant wins How on earth can you put St. Mary's in this tournament? The only reason to put them in is that they beat Gonzaga in Gonzaga. And I don't know if that's enough. If you look at St. Mary's right now, they are 28-5 and overall. Another gaudy season without substance. They're 16-2 in the West Coast Conference, finished behind Gonzaga. Their non-conference RPI is 47th, and wait for it, their non-conference strength of schedule is 188th. As I said, against Quadrant 1 teams, they're 2-1. and one. Against Quadrant 2 teams, they're 2-2. Two and two. Against Quadrant 3 teams, they're 9-2. and two. They have two Quadrant 3 losses, and they're per- perfect 15-0 against Quadrant 4, as they should be. Go even deeper. On a neutral court, they're 2-3. and three. They do have a lot of road wins. They're 10-1, but they're not over anyone with substance. I don't see a way that St. Mary's makes this tournament. I don't. I don't see why you would put St. Mary's in over Notre Dame. I don't see why you would put St. Mary's in over Syracuse or even Louisville. It just doesn't make any sense. You have to go out and play people. St. Mary's played it safe. 
They thought that they just had to win two games. They had to beat Gonzaga twice out of the three times they thought they would play them. They thought they'd beat him at home. Maybe they thought they beat him in the West Coast Conference to get the automatic bid. Instead, they beat him in Gonzaga, which gave them a false sense of security. They don't play defense. They are talented offensively, but their shooting has been sporadic. They got blitzed at home. That was their chance. That was their chance to make the NCAA tournament beating Gonzaga at home, and they gagged it. Because of that, I do not think St. Mary's should be in. Do I think they have top 64 talent? Yes, I do. But if you go by the system that's in place, I don't think St. Mary's deserves to be in the NCAA tournament. Now, use that theory with Jock Landell, how he's a star, right? And you think that maybe they'll put the star in, but I'm telling you they're not. And you can reverse it with Oklahoma. Here's my comments with Oklahoma. People think that Trey Young and Oklahoma will not make the NCAA tournament because they lost tonight to Oklahoma State. Folks, you're really not paying attention. Oklahoma was a four seed when the bracket preview came out. And I understand that they have struggled since then. But if you look at their resume... They're going to want Trey Young in this tournament. They want to find a way to get him in. So the question is, if you look at their resume, is there a way that they can get in? And the answer is yes. They're 18 and 13, which isn't great as a record. They are 8 and 10 in the Big 12, which is, which is below 500. But if you look at the totality of their schedule, they have six quadrant one wins. That is more than Texas, who has five. That's more than Butler, who has three. That's more than St. Mary's, who has two. That's more than Providence, that has three. That's more than Louisville, that has three. That's more than UCLA, who has three. USC, who has five. Missouri, who has five. They're going to put him in. They may make him do the play-in game because they're going to want ratings for that game. And think about it. They'd be off the roof. Of course, you watch Trey Young. After the kid rests up, he could drop 50 in that game. They will put Oklahoma in. I'm telling you now. Their non-conference RPI is 28. Their non-conference strength of schedule is terrible. It's 131. But the question is, is there a path? There's no path for St. Mary's. There's no logic to put St. Mary's in. They don't have five quadrant one wins. They don't have the six that Oklahoma has. They have no quadrant one wins. They have a terrible strength of schedule, and they did terribly in the conference. Oklahoma started the year off strong, and people were talking about Oklahoma winning the Big 12. So there is a range there to put them in, and those six quadrant one wins and three quadrant two wins, by the way, which gives them nine quadrant one and quadrant two wins. Just to let you know, folks, Arkansas quadrant one, quadrant two wins, eight. Seton Hall quadrant one, quadrant two wins, eight. Miami quadrant one, quadrant two wins, eight. St. Bonaventure Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2 wins, 7. Ohio State, Ohio State, who everybody loves this year, 9. They will find a way to get Oklahoma in and Trey Young. So I'm predicting the bubble will not pop for Oklahoma. They will make their way in. Now let's go to Texas. Texas is 19 and 13. Texas was also 8 and 10 in the Big 12. Texas had a big win tonight against Iowa State, a game they had to have 68-64, giving them their 19th win on the season. So Texas gets their 19th win on the season. They're 19 and 3, 8 and 10 during the regular season in conference. They have five wins 
against Quadrant 1, two wins against Quadrant 2, and no bad losses. 7-0 against Quadrant 3, 5-0 against Quadrant 4. Uh, non-conference RPI is 48th. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 82nd. They are 2-2 two and two in neutral games. This is another team that I think will find a way in. The committee does take into account injuries. So the fact that Bomba's hurt, the fact that they lost Eric Davis, of course, they lost Andrew Jones, but they've still been able to overcome that. I think they will put them in. The difference here with Colson is they had Bamba for almost the entire year. Colson was out for a very, very long time. So it's easier to subtract out Bamba's presence than it is to subtract out Colson's presence when Colson is missing something like 10 games. So I think Texas from the Big 12 is also getting in. Staying in the Big 12, Kansas State, a team that I like a lot. You can argue maybe too much. Kansas State is 21 and 10. Kansas State is 10 and 8 in the Big 12. The Masters game tomorrow night, Thursday night against TCU. That is a huge game. Reason being, let's look at Kansas State. 21 and 10 overall, 10 and 8 in conference, above 500 in what may be one or two. I like the SEC better, but one or two, the toughest two conferences in the country. They have three wins against Quadrant One, it's not great. They have five wins against Quadrant Two, it's solid. And then they're 13 and 0 against Quadrant Three and Quadrant Four, so no real bad losses. They're one and one on a neutral court. Here's the issue. Non-conference RPI, 138. Non-conference strength of schedule, 326. Ah, brutal. Should they get in? They're above 500 in the conference. If they get to 22 and 10 and have what I think would be nine now, group one, group two wins, I do think that Kansas State will get in, and I think they deserve to get in. Remember, they had to play seven games without junior guard Camo Stokes. He was really hot before he went out, and he struggled since he got back. But give him a couple games off, and this is a team. They like to shoot the three. They're very athletic. Bruce Weber's done a nice job down there. This is a team that is dangerous, that I have in some of those montages that I've done making a run. So if you look at the Big 12, I think Kansas State, much like Notre Dame, is in a play-in game tomorrow. Win and you're in. Oklahoma, I don't care that they lost. Throw in those big nine wins on Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2, and the fact that they're going to want Trey Young in his tournament. They will make it in. And then Texas will also make it in because Texas did get a win here. They moved on. And they've been able to right the ship, even though they had a lot of adversity this year. Andrew Jones battling leukemia, Eric Davis, the whole thing, and Obama getting injured. I think they will put Texas in. The one that throws me for a loop is Alabama. So let's go down to the SEC. Alabama, a horrific 17-14 and 14 and 8-10 and 10 in the SEC conference. They have nine Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2 wins. They are 5-6 and six against Quadrant 1, 4-6 and six against Quadrant 2. They do have two terrible losses against Quadrant 3 and 2-0 and oh against Quadrant 4. They are 3-1 and one on a neutral court. Their non-conference RPI 44th. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 28th. They face an absolute must-win tomorrow night against Texas A&M. There is no way... If they lose to Texas A&M, that they are making the NCAA tournament, even with Colin Sexton, even with John Petty, but with Ingram and with Key 
And with Hall, they should be so much better. And I was high on Avery Johnson. I really liked Avery Johnson. But folks, I got to call a spade a spade here. He has not done a good job. This Alabama team does have the numbers. But if they fall to 17 and 15, even though they have the nine wins, they have not had Colin Sexton has played well. But I would not say he's had the overall star impact of Trey Young. So as much as they want Sexton in, they're going to have to get this win against Texas A&M. Otherwise, if you look at how Alabama's going, they have one, two, three, four, five. This would be their sixth consecutive loss to end the season. Six consecutive losses, a team that is only if they lose two games above 500 and a team that has two quadrant three losses, they're not making it. So Alabama beat TCU. You want in, beat TCU. Just like Notre Dame, who's got a harder job against Duke. I got two left for you. The first is Arizona State out of the Pac-12, who looked almost non-competitive tonight against Colorado. Really didn't give much of a game. They finish at 20-11, and 8-10 in the Pac-12. You would think a team that is under 500 in the Pac-12, which pretty much only had one team ranked the entire year, would have no chance of getting in. Oh, contraire, my friend. They have three Quadrant 1 wins, five Quadrant 2 wins. That makes them 8-10 and 10 against Quadrant 1 Quadrant 2. They're 7-1 and 1 against Quadrant 3 and 5-0 and 0 against teams that should beat in Quadrant 4. They are 3-1 and 1 on a neutral court. They were 12-0 and 0 against their non-conference. And by the way, the non-conference RPI was 9. 9 in the country. Yes, their non-conference strength of schedule is 114. That's not great. But a 20-win team with the big wins that they have, they beat Xavier. They beat Kansas in Kansas, in a real Kansas game at home. Those are going to carry them. And it's going to carry them when they were perfect 12-0 and 0 against the non-conference RPI that was ninth. They're a little light on the wins. They only have eight, but that will get them in. They're very much an 11 seed, maybe a 10, could be a playing game team as well. How about a little Oklahoma, Arizona State? Wouldn't that be a fun playing game? How many points would be scored in that game? Oh my goodness. Arizona State Sun Devils, I think, are getting in. And the last team we'll go to, this one tugs on my heartstrings, folks. The Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. 23 and 6 overall, 16 and 2 in conference. Conference USA regular season champions. Who doesn't want Coach Kermit Davis in Middle Tennessee in the NCAA tournament? Two years ago, biggest upset ever. Michigan State as a two seed, they beat him. Last year against Minnesota in the 5 12 game, they beat Minnesota. Who doesn't want him back? We all do. I would caution Coach Davis in Middle Tennessee to not slip up again until the finals. Here's why. They only have two Quadrant 1 wins. They only have three Quadrant 2 wins. That's five Quadrant 1, Quadrant 2 wins. They're 7-2 and against Quadrant 3 teams. Two losses to Marshall this year. Brutal. And 11-0 against the Quadrant 4 teams. They are only 1-3 on a neutral court, but what will help Middle Tennessee is they have a 23rd non-conference RPI and the ninth hardest strength of schedule in the non-conference. If Middle Tennessee makes the finals of the Conference USA Tournament and they play Western Kentucky, I think they're in. I do not want to see them 
play Marshall again and lose to Marshall three times. That cannot happen because that would be another quadrant three loss. They probably, uh, in fact, they wouldn't make the finals of the Conference USA tournament. And I would be very, very worried about Middle Tennessee. Beat Marshall, get to the finals, lose a close game in the finals, and they should be carried by that number nine non-conference strength of schedule. But they had Conference USA wrapped up. They were home to Marshall, and they blew it. That was a game they just didn't focus for because they didn't need it. But unfortunately, you do need it when it comes to the NCAA tournament and you're a mid-major. We love the Blue Raiders. We love Middle Tennessee State. Let's just hope that Coach Davis can at least get them there to that final game. And if they get there, they should be fine because they are one heck of a dangerous team come March. So there you go, folks. There's your bubble watch. Pop goes the bubble. The teams that we're looking at here across the nation that are really focused on the bubble this week. If you like what you hear, please go to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Screen the screen of College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn Radio all over the place. Of course, always follow the pod on Twitter at SDS Podcast. Myself at Randall Rant. Gus at C Kearns 12. March is here. Selection Sunday's right around the corner, folks. We can't wait. We know you can't either. We're bringing you a pod every day this week, working hard to get it to you. Pop goes the bubble. Let's hope Gus gets some power back. We'll talk to you tomorrow night, folks. We'll see you. Third base.